0: Watch Willow. Welcome to the Church of Davis Radio Show. Coming at you Friday live. We haven't died yet from a nuclear holocaust, and we're marching with the apocalypse. And we gotta watch Willow up good. Willow up good. Willow bathmarda. It's on uh, Warwick Davis. It's on Disney right now. I haven't seen it yet. I still need to watch Wednesday. I haven't watched that yet. I finished Chucky. I like that. It's pretty crazy it's not bad it's a series so it's it's the second season just series? ended but
1: it's yeah, a, series, a series and it's
0: actually doing very well like it's getting good reviews which Ugh. is not abnormal for Chucky <laughs> but, but uh it's got that jennifer Tilly in it it's got a bunch of one of the guys from Sopranos I forget his name Joe Pant I forget which one uh the one that they cut up and put in a bag or whatever I think <laughs> but, but oh they had the people from that movie Bound or unbound with uh Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gersh and some like lesbian movie that's known for real sexual weird stuff. I saw it a million years ago, but they had the whole cast on an episode that was kind of weird. It's worth watching. I mean, you, it would surprise you. There's a, a Hannibal Chucky, there's a Muscle Chucky, like there's different Chucky's. He has an army, but the best part is Brad Dourif and his daughter.
2: That's the best part.
0: That's the best part.
2: He's from West Virginia, I believe
0: yeah it's good He's we got good. a He's all good. wham here with us tonight andrew colvin's here return of andy colvin and uh i guess my first question i we were just off the cuff talking about kooky energy weapon stuff and i mean right now china supposedly and i don't know why the hell they did this but i think it's true then they resurrect like a second son so who's, who's to say these people are not trying to fry us right now with weird energy weapons? I don't know, but something seems weird. Everybody's aggressive. People trying to kill comedians, and I'm going nuts. Everybody's going nuts. just seems something's off. I don't know. I even saw a thing about someone saying Cosmic Razor real bad right now and can do that stuff. But, but energy weapons, I know it's a, a lot to get into, but off the cuff, what do you think about that stuff? And what is the deal with the second sun? Why would you even do that? I don't understand. It's weird.
2: Well, a lot of the old memes and <coughs> conspiracies have been regurgitated, and not maybe for good reason. I'm sure they're still doing that research, as I mentioned. Uh, they're doing it as part of the brain-body re- uh, research. When you have uh, a limb doesn't work, you can put a sensor in the brain that speaks remotely to the body part, get some muscles to work down there. Um, I just saw a show in Germany where that hey, they put on these helmets on these soldiers that made a messed them all up, and then they got injured, and then they tried to fix it with the remote implants and all this stuff. And it, it's no doubt it's because it's never been resolved, right? The, the, the mind control stuff never got resolved, and it was almost about to be resolved around 2008, <clears throat> 2009, because people were like, these UFO abductions are or the government, right? We, we started to become more clear. After they'd put a bunch of red herring people out there to confuse everything, it started to become apparent. So, and they blamed it all on Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs. Hopkins died and Dick Jacobs somehow survived that. Yeah. And then they went to ancient aliens the next year, or that year, somewhere around there. And it took the heat off of the government I don't think we'll ever get that back well maybe maybe if people are still complaining about the energy weapons but that doesn't really connect to the ufo thing as much so people may not ever discover what happened with the ufo abductions.
0: i've heard them talk about mk ultra like shooting into people and making them school shooters and stuff like that's the conspiracy right. stuff right you know it's on the fringe i'm sure but who well, knows I mean, they can, do, can,
1: they,
0: can they they can do I heard, and you know more about this probably or heard more about it than I have, but haven't they confirmed that satellites can possibly do crop circles or something?
2: Dude, I've been saying that for 25 years. It's satellites. It's testing the microwaves. And yeah. nobody agreed with me until Jacques Vallée recently did. And then suddenly, oh, satellites. <laughs> Duh. Where were you? I mean, people they just don't think logically in this field that's the purpose of the title of my show pseudoscience has lost its way
0: and definitely good to have you here to uh get started and uh so uh i know i saw on the ancient apocalypse which is fun to watch stone with the graham hancock uh (laughs)
1: It's stoned. It seems Absolutely. like he's
0: alluding to giants, like the aliens from Ancient Aliens. Like they're showing pictures of giants. What like he's saying, giants do are doing this, or because he's showing a lot of giant illustrations. <laughs> but uh, he said that he's not a, a pseudoscientist. scientist. Like he's, he kind of treated it like a bad word, I guess. Like he was not that. He was an investigative reporter or whatever. But tell us a about su- su- pseudo science. Science. What, what is it for, 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 for the stoners? For the
2: stoners. <laughs> pseudoscience used to try to adhere to academic standards to some degree people would write books articles try to do some research and 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 there was a lot of pressure on certain fields to become sciences and they eventually did but they had to go through that pseudoscience period and uh so we're here at a point where there's not even any pseudoscience happening. It's just um, clicks and, and, and social media. And I think that's by design. And um, I kind of thought we should go back in time because there's going to be a lot of people that don't know who I am. Because uh, this 10 year embargo on having Andy Colvin on, I'm like the most hated man in the paranormal. Was it 10 years ago that I was on your show last? I don't um, know, I'd
0: have to really, just, I mean it's been a little while for sure? But I, just have, I don't think it's been that long. I, just, I can we, find out. I can find out.
2: We just transcribed what I thought was our last show from 2013, but there might be another one in there. I know. I always
0: come across that Rita Lewis. That's one we did on YouTube. Oh yeah, I don't big think foot you have foot that,
2: Rita Louise.
0: Yeah, yeah. You have
2: that?
0: It's on YouTube, I believe. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, unless she took it down, which I mean, I, I saw it somewhere. Like it came up in a weird way from a search or something, so it's out there.
2: Um. So, um, I thought I would just kind of do a little timeline. Get or at least first, I'll talk about what I'm working on, or maybe I should wait on that. But um, this interview will probably be the last one in this book that we're finishing up because it goes from like twenty 2007 to now. All the shows that I've done that were not on the grassy knoll. And then there's another book coming out with all the interviews from like 2011 that I did with all the women researchers that uh, were really great. There were some great researchers back then. Some of them are no longer with us, uh, but uh, shows that I did with other people, like that you hosted for me, Jeff. And we brought a few people on and mm-hmm. I was like in the, in the cloakroom.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, so that's going to be a book called probably called, uh, that was the week that wasn't because we tried to do 50 interviews, mostly with women over the course of a year and we didn't make it, but we got close and we did a few more after and we'll probably pull a few from earlier <clears throat> and uh, get those all together. And then a book of Mothy Talk, just all the stuff that went on on the Mothy Talk list, uh, which why most on most of the time, and I don't know about you, Jeffrey. Uh, weird stuff happened on there. Oh, yeah. Like Eugenia Macer's story as she became... Uh, getting closer to dying, she started thinking I was a devil. And I think there's a thing behind that. I think there's been like a long-term manipulation of the Mothman field for sure. And we can get into that uh, later. I I
1: also think though that she was having some problems. I mean, I mean like physical problems because I I was in some connect contact with her off because I only lived like nine miles from her and and there's, I I think that in the last two or three years of her life I think she might have been having like strokes or something, something was going on in her, because she got paranoid about a lot of things, not just you yeah. <laughs> so.
2: Yeah.
0: I've had people, I get called devil from a particular person a lot lately. <laughs> no,
2: well man, it. <laughs> it's funny because she had related to me a story long before that probably mentioned it in a Mothy, a Mothy talk where uh Lauren Coleman had warned her off of John Keel in the late 60s, saying Keel is dangerous. Right. And Coleman's done the same thing with me. He's dangerous, he's dangerous, but he's a hermit. That's the other story they have off of me. He's a hermit. That's why he doesn't appear on any shows. It's not because we're keeping him off shows. He's <laughs> a hermit. Well, how do you be a hermit when you're like raising three kids and you're married and working and all that stuff ridiculous? Um so uh The other thing that happened in these last years, these last 10 years, is I finished up the Mothman's Photographer stuff with some uh, Tessa Dick stuff. We met Mm -hmm. her in 2013. And then we did a couple of new episodes recently. And that's all up on YouTube now. And a lot of the younger people have probably never heard of it. Because in the old days, you could only buy it on DVD and it was pretty expensive, because it's very long. Um, But that's up now for free. And then all the Grassy Knoll shows that went into my books are up on YouTube for free. And uh, probably going to do a revision of the Mothman trilogy, the Mothman's Photographer, to make it shorter and easier for people to understand. Because I think a lot of people never read it. Even people that are researchers, you know, especially if they're arguing with you on a list. Oh, well. I've read your work and I know all about it. You know, okay, well, but I've never heard you ever ask one question about my research. And particularly if you're like a ritual occultist, why haven't you ever asked me how I conjured up Monkman? It's like no one has ever asked that. They've never, there's so many simple basic questions that have never been asked.
0: How did you conjure up Monk man? I still have Everyone's that picture you gave at me
2: of the Pleasant. Polaroid. It's, it's all Point Polaroid. Pleasant. You know, these two or three old ladies now uh, that they just do over and over again. They abs- these filmmakers absolutely refuse to cover anything else. Anything from 30 miles down the road. No, nope, that's not Point Pleasant. We can't go there. And they're actually afraid of, to do it. And they're actually afraid of me, I think. I, I, I guess. I mean, I can understand. It sounds like it's that standard, he's dangerous, he's bad news. I know there was a researcher that kept telling me that Jeffrey was bad news. It's like, no, Jeffrey should be on Coast to Coast. That man, mm-hmm. as you can see now that we're on the YouTube, this is the very first YouTube show I've I've done where you can actually see who I am. It's a big moment.
1: How am I going to <laughs> it,
0: That's not the same window you saw Mothman in, is it? That was at a different location, right? The one you're at now, that window, that's not the same window. It was a different window, right? Oh,
2: right. Yes, this is in Columbus, where I'm here in wonderful Columbus, just a short drive from Point Pleasant, uh, where we did have a house across the river when I was a kid, and we have the family cemetery there right above Point Pleasant, the Gibson family cemetery, which is my grandfather's, and yet uh, people don't consider me to be a resident of Point Pleasant, or that my story has any relevance whatsoever, I think they simply don't believe it, and I can understand that, my story is too far out, it's like,
0: is it because of the photo? I mean, I have that, a copy of that photo. I mean, it looks like a weird bug head in your window. That's huge. Like, I mean. yeah, It looks what, like the hip
2: one of the heads behind you. Kind yes. Of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of uh,
2: these. I don't know that it's that. I just think it's. And I'm talking about the researchers. I'm a contactee, you might say, right? I go to the researchers. None of them are interested. Don't understand it. You probably can't read the book. Because today's researchers all seem to be more like po- actors or podcasters. They're not really, you know, the old style academic researchers. So this stuff is just going under the under the, under the bridge. It uh, has been. And all I can do is just try to do more stuff. Get it out there. And then hopefully someday somebody will pay attention to it. Because this is what John Keogh wanted. John Keogh wanted more attention paid to the contactees not the researchers we don't have to hear about what the researchers are doing every day where they walk their cat whatever it is every day it's researcher researcher aren't we great are we great no we need to study the contactees and, and and if one of them is willing to devote their entire life to trying to document everything that should mean something so
0: i know uh a day or so ago i went to dennis Reno's page and he's a, a cartoonist but I saw a post that said basically he left ufology because of all the gooches. I think that speaks volumes. Like I hadn't been to his page in a while and he had it posted up and he was talking about why he left it. But yeah, it's insane. I have
2: a, I have a grand conspiracy to how we got to where we got to today. Going back to the sixties at that New York UFO convention, which Eugenia went to Mm -hmm. and wrote about. And some of the things she said, And then another person that was on that on the board of that ufo convention told me some things recently so it's all starting to kind of come together what happened uh and at that convention there was a threat to ufology and that threat was john keel he was going to speak for the first time and so this was bad news because keel was going to like Shut, shut. <laughs> he did. He kind of shut things down because he's not saying they're from outer space, mm-hmm. and the money, the money's in the outer space. And I think it was decided at that board meeting that they would they 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 they, they stole people from people's rooms, men in black, rifled through everybody's stuff, stole all kinds of stuff, particularly Keel stuff, Keel correspondence, so that they could use it later to spy on Keel, right, and the people that he was friends with and it was decided i think that they've got to beef up the cryptozoology and get mothman into cryptozoology because once keel spoke it was really apparent this is a creature that's not just lumbering through the woods it's giving people prophecies A serious issue uh, with a great potential for military stuff even you know it's like and so they had to put the clampers on the Mothman, so they came up with Bigfoot and introduced it after a few months. And and then they got Mothman, in, and then they created cryptozoology, and they got Mothman into cryptozoology where they could sort of hide him away and keep them away from the UFO people. So the UFO people today have known nothing about Mothman, and they don't care. And that's really... I'm sad because this is the key to everything is the interplay of this of the two things the UFOs the energy that's coming from them making you see things or experience other beings um, and I think that was just that's just been kept up until now and uh, well I forget what the last thing you said was it made me think of that but Maybe if you can remember, it was, um, yeah.
0: About Dennis Reno and the, the
2: Trumpelguches and the UFO Yeah, yeah, to the Trumpelguches, yes. Because somebody decided, I think it was around 2011, because Roger Stone was in my group watching us and picking up conspiracy memes to use. And I think they decided they could use these memes and sell them in a right-wing way and build a demographic through the conspiracy groups and, and UFO groups and JFK groups. And this is documented, he did it. I mean, it was big operation and he got all of these people on board with the MAGA bullshit. And and, and they've now got a, a, a voting demographic that's significant of people that believe in the paranormal and are like super right wing. And these people could be used at some point for political action or anything else not just voting but you know the, the bigfoot guys are the guys with the guns and I, you know what i mean what, what if there was a bigfoot arm an army of bigfoot hunters who you know the president called up to go on a special mission to you know wipe out somebody and they would go do it i don't know it, it, it's potentially scary although at this point it's not right now it's just well, I, let me take that back. About 2016, the death threats started again. And it, when I first started the research in the 80s, which was conspiracy, it was dangerous. I mean, there was Gary Webb and guys like they were getting murdered. Investigative journalism was dangerous. And uh, it continued on. Uh, and in 93, I got really paranoid because i had read them up in prophecies and i'm putting it all together and i'm writing about it on the octopus list there was the conspiracy list was the only thing going at the time a couple of those there wasn't really any ufo groups i think but the uh, x-files writers were on there and they pulled a bunch of stuff out of my story and used it in the X-Files. So when I was watching the X-Files, I was freaking out. I'm like, what the hell? This is like my life story. What's going on here? How did they know this? How did they know Harry had, had the two marks on her neck and the, the, the virgin birth she had, which she thought was uh, sperm taken from me and put into her by the aliens? Um, I, it, and that was just, I really was, and try, I don't know how I got through it but I did and then uh, 10 years later I meet Keel and then by that time I've gotten all caught up on everything he's done. so I'm able to just like get right in there and we're able to, to do some stuff together getting Eugene on board Eugenia on board because again she had been warmed off with of Keel. And didn't know that he was a nice guy. How can you say that John Keel is dangerous? He's like one of the funniest guys on earth. He was. So, you know.
0: Hey, uh, real real quick, I got there's this guy Richard Allen Miller on. He's been on Coast to Coast. He's like this scientist. I say mad scientist, but he claims, and it, this is what he says, that he was uh what who Fox Mulder was based on, and he was involved with the X Files, and then that Chris Carter took over. But this dude is on all these shows and he's really smart he was also timothy leary one of timothy leary's patients and that's like the school for gifted children's weird but this dude he reminded me of uh, the drunk rick and morty the scientist but he uh and it was crazy because he kind of screams when he talks but i swear during it he said he's met an alien in a mech suit <laughs> but He was a guest not too long ago. Just weird X-Files tie-in. Everything
2: gets copied. Everything gets copied in very short order. Everything. It's happened so many times. I'll
0: just send it to you. You'll get a kick
2: out of it. It was weird. doesn't mean I'm not going to shoot him down because I have something. I don't know if he was or not. I don't know. Well, the thing I just said was a story like that. I don't want people shooting it down because that's how it happens in Hollywood. That's how they get their ideas. In fact, the thing in, in, in Close Encounters of the Third Kind where the kid is drawing the devil's tower, that's me. And it went through John, uh, Gray Barker to John Keel to J. Allen Hynek to into the movie. And so when I saw that movie, I freaked out.
0: I'm thinking of a, a weird Bigfoot story. I wanted to tell you real quick while I'm thinking of it because I, I just remembered it. But I'll tell it fast. There was a Bigfoot guy on it right now. I can't even remember his name. But he told this weird story about that show, uh, well, about uh, that real incident, Escape from Mora which Ben Stiller did a TV show on Showtime about, and it has Benicio del Toro, Paul Dano, and Patricia Arquette. And it's based on a true story about these prisoners banging this wood, wood shop lady, and she's kind of sleazy and married and whatever. But anyway, they con her, and she helps them escape somehow. But it's Ben Stiller's first show. He also just did Severance, which was really good. He's like helping out some stuff. But anyway... Uh, he told this story where the police were looking for the two suspects and supposedly they really came across two Bigfoot and killed them. And while they were looking for them and then later it led to them killing one of them, but it was just this weird story about Bigfoot thrown in there that the cops accidentally killed two Bigfoot during searching for these two at large criminals. The thing really happened. It's a good show on Showtime. It was crazy as hell, but the Michelle del Toro, it's like slimy and he sees this guy banging her and he's like well i'm gonna get in on this and they're both doing patricia arquette <laughs> and and she, the lady that played her is mad at ben stiller and she seems kind of kooky i don't know her but who does but anyway just a weird bigfoot story i thought about it but you probably like to hear <laughs> Well, go ahead. I believe you know they—they they do stuff. They steal stuff. I mean,
1: they do it. Oh, they do. I know they do. I know. Really? I know people. Other people. They've stolen stuff from. So.
2: The Bigfoot steal stuff. Yes.
1: Pancakes and peanut
0: butter. <laughs> yep. When well, I was yep.
2: hanging around Kiwoni last I was convinced that the Bigfoots were coming around my house and leaving stuff.
0: I've interviewed him. That is, is a trippy dude for sure. I haven't talked and, to him in a long time.
2: And when I was a kid, before the Bigfoot craze, there was I had these Bigfoot outside my outside my house. That because they were coming to me in my dream before I fell asleep. I don't know. It might have been for per- sleep paralysis, but it certainly seemed like these Bigfoot-like creatures were trying to uh, tutor me. Uh, this would have been uh, a little bit after Mothman, probably. <clears throat> but then I saw, this is this is a key issue, key, I think, thing that I've figured out of late. I don't know if it's correct or not, but it's the idea of uh, the second thing I saw coming out of a tree. What was that? 70, 1973, lots of lights being seen in the area. Uh, the photograph of the thing in the window. Uh uh there was like a that's when the harriet thing happened uh where was i going with that where did i start with on, where did i start on that one yeah, i do this i lose track because i got like 20 things going on
0: me too well uh if you remember tell us i know but we were talking talking about the uh we
1: definitely want to get into the inf- infiltration and uh,
2: the, the the pan situation. And- oh yeah, the pan situation. The what? The pan the,
1: situation. Are you talking about the well, rebirth of
2: pan? Well, I, I was yeah. going into the Manson thing real quick, and I won't. Okay, okay. Go into
1: the Manson thing. Go into the Manson but, thing.
2: But that is the presence of an evil thing on in the area that I saw and somebody else saw. And yet, Mothman was contacting a couple of people there. Indrid Cold was coming around. There was a 911 precognition. It came from the space intelligence intelligences to Tommy. And he said Mothman, too. And then uh, that whole experience where he transmitted that vision to me so I could see it briefly. And, uh, and so this is where that school was burned down. The Indian school, which became a white school, burned down by Charles Manson and something happened there, either the evil spirit that I saw went into him at that place or by burning down the school and killing a kid or two, he created a negative energy force like Bob in Twin Peaks Mm -hmm. that was transferable to Tex Watson who then did the Tate-LaBianca murders in an effort to destroy, basically destroy the peace movement. Now, the the missing piece here is Sarah Jane Moore, who was Charles Manson's best friend growing up. She was an agent provocateur, FBI uh, informant, army intelligence person who shot at President Ford and was involved in the Jonestown thing and a bunch of other things, who probably was his handler and that whole story has to be suppressed and is continually suppressed, even though I try to tell people about it. Um, but the garuda was is there because of this dark evil thing, and I I now have to say I don't know that that was Mothman I saw. I don't think it was because the same thing I saw has been being seen in Point Pleasant recently. It's a stick figure, mm-hmm. and it could be the vegetable man. And it's being seen in the cemetery in Point Pleasant. I talked to the lady who's seen it. We're seeing the exact same thing. Maybe it's got something to do with the cemetery or the dead people, uh, spirit of dead people. But this subgenius Bob, well, well, I worked briefly on Twin Peaks as just a gopher. And I knew the guy who played Bob in Twin Peaks. He was a hippie. Mm -hmm. In the show, it goes from a hippie to being like, the, the great citizen, Leland Palmer. But Manson did the same, the reverse. He started as a as supposedly a good kid who wore a suit and everything. If you've seen those pictures, to being a hippie. He did the opposite, but same idea. And I suggested to the to the first Bob because he was sick, and they were going to move him in this move Bob into somebody else. And I said it should go into Sub Genius Bob. You know Sub Genius Bob? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what Leland Palmer was. He was kind of like the sub-genius Bob with the pipe and everything. They were they were playing- Oh, Bob, a, Bob Dobbs? They were playing Leland off as Bob Dobbs.
1: Oh,
2: and I that was my little contribution to that. Um, so in these little ways, you, you can have an impact if you just sort of um, have a beginner's mind, as they call it in Buddhism. You know, that 93 period, I don't know if you guys need to take a break or something, but that 93 period, I was in a Buddhist group. I was about to become a Buddhist priest. And, but I, I got freaked out because everyone was doing all these uh, prostrations and all this. It was, it was like uh, too much. And, And I just felt like it wasn't my style. But I met the, uh, the guru and had a wonderful visit with him. And he told me, he heard my story and he says, you need to write, you need to challenge yourself, get out there and write your story and take and go wherever it takes you. And he didn't care if I stayed in, the, in it or not. And that night I had this dream of being in the tree of lineage of that of that lineage. I saw him, Sangakshita and other teachers that he had had in this dream and I'm floating through there and it's like this wonderful experience, I really feel like I became, entered like whatever little teeny level of enlightenment you can have at the very bottom, like where you're just in tune with with nature somehow. And I think the observation of nature is key. And that's what I did as a kid more than anything else, was observe nature, have these moments of stories, and these guide you later uh, and help you uh, be open-minded and uh, Like the the cryptozoologists like to claim that they're skeptical but open-minded. But I don't think somebody who's never had an experience can really come in. uh, Sure, they're objective because they've never had an experience. But does that really qualify them to be the best person to be talking about the paranormal? Maybe it's the paranormal experiencers who really know more and are more open-minded. Or more objective, even. Because you've you've seen it. So, and then you go back to normal reality, you compare, you think about it, you try to come up with a way that it could happen, why it happened, and it guides you forward. But you were asking about, what was it? Um,
0: oh, the, the, the Pan situation.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know that much about the, the whole tradition, really. Um, I just have a story about the rebirth of Pan that I think.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, That's what we mean.
1: That's what I think that's
0: what we were talking about. Yeah, that's what yeah, we're talking
1: yeah. about. Um just when you're ready.
2: The timing of it. 83. Pardon me. Mm-hmm.
0: What is outside your window? Is that a reflection? Like I saw something glowing out there. Like I guess um, it might be a street light or something.
2: Yeah, there's all kinds of paranormal phenomena happening right out here. So,
1: yeah.
2: Christmas lights the- oh, oh, okay. there's, Yeah, the person guy. Yeah. This is the guy that owns the Ferrari and a bunch of cars like that yeah he lives in a very modest home but he's got like lamborghinis and stuff
0: Nice,
2: (laughs) and he runs him in the middle of the night i don't know why but uh pan okay so i think without saying who jim brandon is at the moment i think weird america and the rebirth of pan were attempts to cash in on what john keel had done because the stuff in those books is all john keel really with the addition of some some vignettes where somebody drives to a certain park where there's bones to be found or something, some rock formation, stone fort. And that could have all been added later, but it's basically keel and... um, Why did it stop? Why did Jim Brandon suddenly shut down shop in, in 1983? Is he dead? Um,
0: means that the author, I mean we know I know this there's more to the story, but is that person that person a dead? Like is it listed as a, a dead person?
2: I don't know, but the first publication location, because I happen to have the very first one, Dunlap, Illinois. It's not Colorado, it's not Arizona, it's Dunlap, Illinois, which is uh close to a prominent cryptozoologist's home home (laughs) and a prominent archaeologist who's well known in the ufo field (coughs) at at a bookstore nearby
0: yeah okay
2: so i don't know if i need to spell it out so you have a museum a museum yeah cryptozoologist from from illinois southern illinois uh,
1: yeah
0: but yeah. what what is the book i mean is it like just like a crypto handbook i mean what is it? it's just weird like, i'm trying to figure what, uh, think, what the hell is it um and there's weird white powers well, i'll be i'll
1: be honest i mean when you when when you said i mean i had i got a copy of this book i was working in the early 80s like i started working about 83 or 84 at a at a alternative women's bookstore in Kansas city, Missouri. And we got a copy of this book in the mail as, as like a a sample. And, and I I remember reading it and thinking to myself, because I had read John Keel. I knew who John Keel was. I'd been reading John Keel for several years at that point. And, uh, I remember thinking to myself, "Who the hell is this guy?" So when 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 you told me that Andy needed a copy of it because I had gotten I had gotten rid of my it's copy. A PDF, yeah, yeah. I, I had never I had never ordered it for the store because I could instantly tell that it was crap, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, um, but I'd gotten rid of my copy of it years ago, and so I can't even remember. Did you give me the PDF of it? Um Jeffrey, I can't even remember
0: you gave me a PDF though.
1: okay i I got it from somewhere I don't remember from whom okay
0: um, I'm kidding
1: no 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 what
0: is it? is it like a well, uh, it, it's
1: it's it's a it's really a bad derivative <laughs> it's a badly written derivative of of keel and um oh what's his name children. Deriv- George Hunt, whatever the hell his name is, Williamson or whatever. In other words, it's kind of like this weird stylistic combo of a couple, of couple of a couple of you know, types of genre of book, and it's just full of crap. I mean so <laughs> I re- I, I reread parts of it since I sent it to sent it to Jeffrey to send to you, Andy. And I've reread parts of it. I was like, This is as bad as I remember. <laughs> you know, this is awful. But anyway, go ahead.
0: Is there like pan cryptid sightings? It's it,
1: well, it's it's like it's. I mean, it's he he takes certain things that he's trying to affect Keel's style, is what he's trying to do. Um, but he's but Keel actually has some real ideas. You know what I mean? I mean, he always has real ideas and real insights. And here and all. Um, what's going on in rebirth of pan is this weird kind of uh it's it's kind of he's it's it's pseudo cryptic you know the style is pseudo cryptic and and there's these these weird kind of racist assumptions and it, it's just bizarre i mean i'll let Andy talk about it because I can, he can probably describe it better than i can it's just a mishmash you know
2: it's been a long time since i read it um, and i don't have it so you bet you're sending me one, maybe. Well,
1: I thought that Jeffrey had sent you one. she had a PDF, yeah. PDF. Yeah, I sent you a PDF of it. She sent a PDF. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember anything
2: overtly racist in it, but it has been attributed by Lauren Coleman to a, a racist. Right. I don't see how that racist William Grinstadt, would ever write a book like that. He never, he didn't write anything like that. He didn't right. have an archaeology background. Why would he care about the paranormal? Yeah, you know, it just makes sense. Well,
1: I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just badly, just badly convenient,
2: done. I think he's a convenient foil, and I don't think they're, he's not alive anymore. Uh, and Jim Brandon never existed. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe Keel said something when it came out, and they moved the location of the publisher to colorado where said archaeologist who had bookstore was actually from
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and then they changed it to arizona where said archaeologist from colorado opened a second bookstore in northern arizona said archaeologist is now making big bucks on the circle right <laughs> right <laughs> So five figures per night.
1: So do you think that then um, what you're saying is that is that said archaeologist in because this book, of course, in the last you know five or six years has just popped up again. You know, to me, it became a rather obscure book, right? So the the attributing of it to this individual by this individual. Is is uh, is disinformation? It's disingenuous, essentially. Okay, I, I understand what you're saying.
2: Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know how much I want to get into Lauren, but he's done a string of things that are interesting over the years, and I try to remain, you know, uh, lighthearted about it. Uh, although sometimes he it gets, it's pretty nasty. Some of the things uh, that go on. And you can't attribute everything to him, but he certainly seems to be the leader of a group, of a large group of young people. He's really organized over the years. He basically stopped writing books Mm -hmm. 15 years ago and just went into social media, started the Twilight Language blog to counter what I was doing with Kiel and uh, Eugenia. Because before that, Lauren had not done any of that synchronicity writing at all, other than... He now claims he wrote The Name Game by Jim Brand, the article. But he ah. doesn't admit to the book. It's what it seems like if you read his rebuttal to the racist claim. Right. A long One of his long rebuttals with pictures and things in it, which really creates like a subtext that's going on. So if he says one thing in this line, the picture may... may uh, counteract it and and so it ends up sounding like he doesn't apologize for anything Uh, but
1: uh, you know what's interesting now that I think about it see I was the book buyer at this store and so I would get I would get you know the 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 sample books it was only about a it was only about a month I can't remember exactly when it was. It wasn't that long after we got copy that I got this copy of the Rebirth of Pan in the mail. And it wasn't 1983, it was like 1984 or something, that we got a sample of Mysterious America in. Yes. And, right. and that's the and, same,
2: that's a rewrite of that.
1: Exactly, of exactly. And and you know, I right. read it too.
2: Which is and, a rewrite of Barry Fell. Yeah, America. Exactly.
1: Exactly. America. You're you're exactly right. And and I and I re and I read. I remember I read Mysterious America, and I thought, this isn't good either. <laughs> you know, so I didn't carry through one of the books. You know, because I just, you know, they they're just, dry. There's they a have, dry,
2: a dry quality. Uh,
1: well, and not only that, it's like you read them and you think to yourself, so. It's kind of like you're you're not actually interested in pursuing. I mean, the books do not generate any interest in what's going on. Whereas if you read Keel, for example, you're like, "Whoa, what the hell?" You know, and 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 you know, he, he grabs you and you know. So anyway, I mean, that's you know, I I didn't put those two together because I didn't realize they were related before.
2: So, we're putting some, some things together about 1111 and, and XX and important stuff that really became memes uh, with Keel and Eugenia. <clears throat> and Lauren quickly builds a sync community of hundreds of people. I don't know how he did it. Uh, young graphic designers, a lot of them from New York. And they're still out there today with their uh, Sun secret sun... By chris Knowles. Knowles started his blog in 20 2007 to i think yeah, he's friends with coleman coleman is friends with all the guys that i mentioned tonight if i mentioned any shenanigans they're all like like this it seems like
0: You're like grooms people right <laughs> it's a, he's really
2: active he's really active man he's out there yeah. somebody told me the other uh, tyler strand goes yeah i was at a i was at a something and i'm in the back of this thing and and lauren's there and he comes up and he finds me and you know wants to hobnob and everything and, and lauren did that in the 2000 late two, uh, 20 late 2000s i had already because i'm on the west coast i had already made friends with all these west coast researchers lauren didn't like that and he immediately started uh, buttering them up, up on a lot and reviewing their works and stuff and became friends with them. And, in, and within a year or two, they were all no longer my friends. I don't know how it happens. Sure. Well, there was he sliced, spread rumors. One of the things that happened in 2006 when I, I he destroyed my website, I think. Uh, it's a long story, but <clears throat> uh, attacking my website with porn because I, the only thing I was doing at that time was criticizing some of the things Lauren had done. My website gets attacked. Uh, but uh, he, uh, he, starts, he starts calling it synchromysticism. What I was doing was synchronic conspiracy. So he calls it synchromysticism, mysticism, has one of his young college student helpers coin the term, and then they all run with this new thing. And of course, I can't get a word in edgewise on synchromysticism mysticism sites at all. They're like, you know, uh, again, the most hated man in the paranormal. Uh, So, uh, so it's uh, it's just, you know, I have notes. There's so many cool things that happen. I'm going to write about them uh, because it it takes a timeline to really see it and to see that you did this thing and then there was a reaction from the other side. Uh, But no doubt going from never writing about the supernatural. In fact, Lauren was anti-supernatural until 2004. He he was absolutely no Mothman is just a, an owl, Bigfoot is just an ape. I mean you can go back and check and you can see it, and that's a flip flop from the late 70s when he got his book deal through Keel. He wrote like Keel, so he did a couple of books that are just like Keel. I don't know that they, how they did, but with literally within a couple of years, 1980, he started feuding with Keel because Keel had criticized something. And that just kept on going, man. And and so it's, you know, he jumped on when Keel finally made it onto Art Bell. Lauren jumps in the show at the beginning and hijacks it for like half an hour talking about himself and stuff. I mean, just over and over. When the Mothman movie came out, Lawrence claims he was a uh, working for the film company, which isn't true. And but he wanted to sell his book that he threw he came up with real quick. But you got to remember this is his only chance probably. He's thinking, only chance that a cryptid is going to be in a major motion picture. He's got to make some money off of it. And he, I guess he did. But it's a, there's nothing in that book that adds anything to what Keel had done before. And probably some disinformation is in there too. But like, for instance, the drawing of Linda Scarberry of Mothman, that's Lauren's drawing. I can almost guarantee it. Because that's his style of drawing because if you go back to some of these books like you're mentioning mysterious america he, he has his drawings in there it's the mm-hmm. same type of right. mothman with no head and red eyes in the chest looking like a demon and he sold that relentlessly for years on the mothman lives list this concept that and this again is a turnaround because it was always just a big owl until he decided he saw that our work in this supernatural area was was catching on he starts to catch on and do it himself with making mothman a demon it's now okay to say it's a demon but at the same time he would go on a show over here and say mothman's a demon and over there he would say it's just an owl. and nobody ever questioned the 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 different the the great difference between the two
0: it's definitely weird. And I know you talked about uh, the tying him in with the Chicago sightings and everything with Lon oh, yeah. Strickler. My yeah, good no. friend Lonnie loves me so much. <laughs>
2: not, <laughs> Lon, not, is Lon Strickler one of your better friends? Is that what you're saying? No, he's not.
0: No, he's no he, not. he was on the show and he, we got along fine. I mean, it was a cool show and everything. One time he remote viewed some house that was at and said there was ancient evil there or something. And it was weird. I forget why. But he got mad at me because that Brett Butler actress, comedian lady, she's actually in Walking Dead recently. And they cut her head off and put it on a pole. It's pretty interesting. But as she used to be grace under fire or whatever the crap. She wrote me about my light being stuff. And, you know, it was friendly talk. But when Hurricane Michael happened, I sent out an email. And I don't do that like Gene Steinbeck. I send one out. I don't even do it anymore, but I sent it out because I was in a crazy situation and had to move.
2: Gene and stopped she, doing that.
0: She, oh, did he? She got mad and just like was mean, like that Brett Butler. But I said stuff to her about suck a pussy to it out of my fart box. And Lonnie found out because he's her friend and they did He, he was like, no, don't talk to a lady like that. I apologize, blah, 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 blah. It was just weird, but he, uh, he got, we don't we don't chat anymore, but of course there's the whole uh, Allison Jordan weirdness that happened where he was doing crazy stuff and threatening her and weird stuff. But uh, I know we had talked about the, the connection to the Chicago sightings and him and everything, but that weird Brett Butler thing, she wrote me about light beings. She collects weird pictures and says there's light beings and maybe they are, maybe they're not. I don't know, but she got mad because I sent out that email to her email and was rude to me But anyway, Lauren Coleman once showed up on Facebook and gave me 50 bucks. And I don't ever talk. I've never talked to Lauren in private ever. And I don't even know how he saw it, but he showed up, gave me 50 bucks. And I just said, thanks. And I didn't write him or nothing. I took the money and ran, but I thought it was kind of weird because like, where did you see that at? But uh, at the time I didn't know. It was just weird, but he does kind of show up with a lot of
2: people. He keeps close monitoring, closely monitors the field. Yeah. If somebody dies, he's on it, and he's got the obituary out, and then he's contacting the estate for any extra books they might have left over. That's how he amassed that huge collection of books he has.
1: It was the Chicago. He Bar- was all over Linda Godfrey. Geez, oh, I mean, was
2: he? Oh yeah. Uh, he did it to Keel. He did it to Barker. I mean, he was
0: mean to
1: Linda Godfrey. I'll kick his ass. No, no, no. no what I'm saying is, he was all over her death. I mean, it was like boom. Oh, okay, okay, okay.
2: Right. He's got oh, them already written out, I think. I'm upset about that.
1: Oh, um, about Linda? Yeah. yeah. Rosemary
0: yeah. Ellen Guiley, another cool lady that passed away. It's just crazy. But uh, what can you tell us about the Chicago thing? Is that a hygiene? Well, going up? back
2: to Lon, Lon there, he says he started his uh, work, I think, in 2006, which would coincide with, again, with that date of when they're trying to create – synchronicism thing which really turned into to grinning man and slender man and then somebody died and then that's all you know shot to hell like they do these things irresponsible things right and it was all those designers who were in the sync community coming up with images of a grinning man and it became this it was so convincing that people started believing in the slender man and this is the key to you know a lot of what warren does and the other guys do they create a, a Create a flap that they can write about. For instance, right now there's signs in Hollywood. My my daughter took a picture of one where Lauren is soliciting Mothman sightings from Hollywood, right now. Um. And they, and, and the other guys involved in the Chicago thing were like gaming Google to get all the site. It's like there's a thing about, and Jay Allen Heineck started this. Keel, I just found out something. Keel was talking about Heineck and how he he took this he, he uh, controlled the sightings like they all came into chicago and he had control of them. and so whoever controls the sightings has leverage and so this is what they did except they didn't have real sightings they're all made up all of them i think all the Chicago ones are made up they're all the same uh writer uh some of them are certainly from the same ip address uh lon was part of this. He's close to Lauren. They advertised on it for each other, but 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 Lon's site didn't really get going until 2011, I think, or 10, around, well, he, to get the Chicago Mothman thing going. So he started it right before the Chicago Mothman, his blog, right? And then that's one of the first sightings. And it's the same day I was on coast to coast for the first time. And it was the same day that Lauren took me down from Wikipedia from the Mothman page. He was so pissed off. He took me off there and we know it's him because it's his thing. You can, you, all the records are on uh, Wikipedia. You can see who edited what out. You can follow their IP to the other things they posted and you'll find that that person heavily edited on Lauren Coleman's page all the time and a bunch of other pages. Like it was unbelievable. It's hundreds, hundreds of pages that you could follow this person to where they were saying, you know, when Jerry Garcia died, Lauren Coleman was there in the beginning of the obituary, like or the, on the Wikipedia page. He, he was friends with Lauren Coleman. Like what? Who, who? You think anybody that cares about Jerry Garcia, I don't know. It was some other, it might've been some other rock star like that. Uh, weird. I think it came down. They took it down. They took it off. And they recently took off a bunch of things he had said about being part of the Mothman movie. And they, and there's you can see in there where they're commenting and they're saying this guy's a sock puppet. He's he's got this this IP and this IP and this IP, and we need to you know do something about it. So this is co- this manipulation of the whole field, fake flaps, fake reports, uh, fake history. You know, re- rewrite the history to lean it toward cryptozoology. It's like a a, a big a big uh, mission. He's been on all this time. And I remember some of the early papers, Secret. They were secret about what they were going to do to change the field. They were going to get rid of all the supernatural stuff. No supernatural creatures. Make them all normal. Well, I threw a wrench in that when I started making the supernatural. And then he's, he's like, no, no, no. I get, We got we to admit that it's supernatural a little bit, right? And so that's the only way I think I have any effect is that if something catches on, they have to, like, scramble to take advantage of. And at the same time they make money off of it they'll be dissing you you know privately so that you you know it's just the weirdest thing so, yeah
1: so that well yeah
2: so yeah. they so that you no one will ever find out where they're getting their ideas
1: right <clears throat> one it's impossible for you to profit off what they're profiting off of so <laughs> or what yeah. they're doing yeah
2: but uh yeah, we've caught it. We've caught some. There's we might be doing a book on it, although it's already. But I'll tell you this: that uh, Bill Kouselis found out. He's the one that realized the timeline that that the first sighting was when I was on Coast to Coast. And so Lauren must have been like, "Oh, we got to get another sighting thing going here because Andy's moving Mothman to Charleston. We can't have Mothman moving to Charleston because that's not that's not going to benefit." any of my team who covered the rest of the country i don't know but let's put it in chicago and if it sells you'll get a lot more money than if you're trying to write about a, a, uh, about west virginia there's not going to be many people in west virginia that would buy the thing, so let's make it chicago now they're going to make it hollywood uh, uh yeah there's a whole lot you could say I uh,
0: Layers, it's an onion,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's an Lots onion. Of false things in those are in those in those uh reports and uh gaming of the of Google, the uh internet. Uh, I don't know, I guess that's enough on that. I there was a weird time, uh, Lauren
0: uh praised. Uh, praise for the hairy man's secret life of Bigfoot while attacking you at the same time. <laughs> Which I don't remember what it said, but I don't even know if it's well. Still
2: up, but. I actually ta- t- messaged him on Facebook a couple of years ago and I was like, why have you been after Keel all this time? And he wouldn't answer it. Um, and, but he did say something like, it, it's nothing personal. It's, okay? if it's not personal, then what is it? Right, any Bigelow ties? (laughs) (laughs) Guys say this to guys sometimes when they get caught, and it's like it's not, uh, I don't know, doesn't bode well, I suppose.
0: I know that, uh. It seemed like that Lyle Blackburn and stuff stopped talking to me because of something that happened. I don't remember. Something about a Trans Am or I can't remember, but they stopped talking to me because of something to do with
2: that, all that crap. Well, I saw him at the festival this year, and he had blocked me on Facebook. A lot of these people just block me, and they never say why. And I never find out what it is that people are saying. But if anybody wants to tell me, you know, give me constructive criticism, I'll take it. Uh, That's but,
0: like the Adam Go Riley thing with me. I heard something bad about him and I had just been in some argument with one of his weird friends, his weird uh, Republican Nazi friend, Groucho Gandhi or whatever. Right. But, right. Uh, right. It was weird, weird stuff. And him right. I you know, we opened up at Ron Patton's store, and we did interviews and uh, you know, I helped him with stuff and he's just like throws you under the bus for nothing. It happens like like dirt in these situations <laughs> for sure. It's weird, but that's the only thing I could think of. Is I well, got in an argument with his friend about Obama.
2: Look, well, I think Steve Ward told me that Lyle thought Mothman was a demon. Of course, that was before I realized that Steve Ward makes up everything he says. So I mentioned it to Lyle or made a crack, and he blocked me. And then I, I apologized to him at the festival. I said, you know, I didn't realize that that was bogus information. And and he unblocked me. <laughs> That's good he seems That's like a nice guy. I had my head. I had my 72 Chevelle there and we looked at the car for a while. seems like an okay guy. He was the most talkative of the three the three uh, Texas Cowboys guys.
0: Yeah I've uh, interviewed him a few times, but I think he balked me. I don't know unless he turned into an author page which is possible. sometimes they do that where they just make the whole new author page or whatever and get rid of their
2: account. But Steve Ward came around trying to start trouble. Um, he, that guy spread so many false rumors about me.
0: I interviewed him once. I ripped off a long the
2: keel estate. I ripped off the keel estate. I ripped oh, off I their. heard
1: that. that oh, God, jeez. And,
2: and I've got, we just, here you go, Steve. I just signed an extension on the contract with the estate. Okay. It's in writing. Uh, I will provide a copy to your employer who is one of our vendors. And so any vendor might want to know if, you know, the books that they're selling are legit and we have the absolute written proof of it. So you might want to retract the statement because when you go say that Keel's sister did this or that, he claimed that she asked me to buy back the contract. Like, okay. He's making up stories about her, making her seem vulnerable. She's not, she is a savvy woman. She knows exactly what, she's got other contracts. She knows what they're worth. She asked for the, she she really, you know, uh, bargained for her side and I ended up paying her what she wanted. And I think he claimed I only gave her $500 or something.
1: Some, yeah, some ridiculous I'm, thing.
2: It's tens of thousands, folks. You don't, you don't, you don't, published books by a major author without paying It's just like, I can't believe you heard that.
1: You heard heard it. I heard it. Yeah, I heard it. I I didn't believe it because I know you, but, (laughs) and it doesn't make any sense. You know, it was like, why he, I, 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 it, he started arguing. I can't even remember what Facebook group it was on. Maybe it was on Barbara's group, Six degrees of keel or whatever—I can't remember what it was. It was like several years ago, but they—I noticed that there was this whole thread that it was like a sub-thread where they were trashing you about this stuff. And and I and I knew because you know you had shared with me some particulars about at some point about about the contracts. And so I—I I mean, all I did was make a comment about. You know, I was defending you. And and I mean, there was like this pile on. And I was just like, what is wrong with you people? Do you, do you even know how publishing works?
2: Yeah, they don't. I mean,
1: for Christ's sake. I was just, I was flabbergasted. I was so flabbergasted that I was just like, okay, you guys are too weird to even argue with. You know. It was ridiculous.
2: But now we know why... You know, when film crews come through, they don't uh, look me up. Right. That's why. It's like, you. It's like why not, Steve, if you want to debate anything, let's do it. I'll do it. I'll debate you anywhere you want. Uh, you, we can talk about theory. Like, if you want to debate Mothman theory or supernatural theory, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, but I don't know that he knows that. I mean, he's got a certain... I don't know. I don't know what you call What's the word? A formula like for his shows and he's got the basic things and well, my wife is very perceptive. And when she first met him, she's like, what is with him? He's too nice. He's way too nice. He was being really obsequiously nice to us. And he ended up getting a great deal on a shitload of books. I mean, he bought every obscure thing I ever published and then suddenly turned around like he had gone through them all you know one, two, three, and look for stuff like he was looking for stuff that he could claim was a mistake or some uh right. plot and and then and, and and really it's so obvious and i've seen some of these threads you're talking about and the, I, I know there was one like five years ago he's on there with all my arch nemesis guys lauren and everybody else. And he just drops me under the bus, like boom, makes up a story about one of the keel books. It's being sold at the museum uh, that had a mistake on it. The back cover had the wrong cover on it. wasn't even you know, wasn't even my fault. And because I am not responsible for everything that goes through New Saucery. This was a cooperative of a group of designers who lived it in my units. Who you know, they had worked together, Microsoft and stuff. And it was like a pipeline of designers coming through and they were all into this weird stuff too. And I was sort of like the idea guy, well, you know, let's do gray barker stuff. And then everybody on their own, just, you know, uh, copied. you know, tried to come up with a new cover or something and they would put it into the, into the computer uh, on the Amazon computer in a, in a dead, right. state, dead state. Well, at one point, I think it was 2014, 13, 14, you could have reprints made, I found out, really cheaply at Amazon. So if you had a public domain book, you could get them to scan it. And, but then it turned out they were only going to do it for like two more months. And I had a list of, I don't know how many books, two or 300 or something. And I just sent them all. Like, I just, I just, that was my only option because mm-hmm. I could afford it to scan all those. Privately or whatever, such a good deal. And so they're all sitting in the computer, put through by Amazon. I didn't even touch them, you know, other than to the send them. And they're sitting dormant in the thing, and then when uh, it became create space, right, think, the, the, they reset the system, and some of those all your books were turned on. Oh but I nice. didn't find this out for a while. It was sporadic. It wasn't all of them, but it was. It was a lot of them. You know, a lot of the dormant ones were on suddenly, and I didn't find out for months. And this this caused a couple of problems where people thought I was trying to rip off their book. But think about it. There's no way to do that on Amazon. You cannot rip off other people's books. Amazon vets them. They vetted them when they when you when we sent in the copies. Right. Vet them after they scan them in, and the AI goes over them. They'll ask you to prove. I had to prove my copyrights dozens of times. Right. And, and then, and you can look this up. It's a real thing. They really did turn some of the things on. But, you know, and I just tried to explain it to people that there's only, there was a couple people that got worked up, <clears throat> but I either paid them off or they were okay with just stopping, you know, turning them off again. So there's no, uh, Nothing else going on like that, but he, uh, old Steve-O is uh, really something. He uh, he got he he he's gotten me involved in something with the Seth Breedlove folks.
1: Oh yeah yeah yeah. Well,
2: well, I'm glad you've heard these. That's yes so yes yeah. Well yes
1: these. yes I have yes. Now, there's
2: probably a bunch I don't know about, right? But I'm pretty psychic and I can tell stuff. And this is another thing. People don't seem to think, they don't believe that you're really psychic anyway. And so when you come up with stuff in your research psychically, you can't explain it. Right. It's just, it's just there. Right. You know what I mean.
1: Uh, yeah, I've done it too. I know, I know, I get, I know.
2: Where was I going? Uh, where was that?
1: Seth Breedlove.
2: Oh, wait. Small town so. monsters.
1: Small town monsters. And and I can also,
2: I don't know if I, I don't have a whole lot to say about the Newkerts, but Seth, uh, let's see. Uh, They wanted my, uh, to use some of my footage, but it was kind of at the end of the, you know, they'd done their first, a lot of their shooting for the first movie. They want some keel footage, but they didn't ask me any of my opinions about anything. Just like every other film crew that's come through, they don't ask me to be involved at all. Right. And I've actually tested it out and tried to say, hey, would you like some help? And they're always, you can always tell that they're in on the thing from the beginning. They've already heard that you're whatever, bad news. Uh, uh, get me back on track. Uh, Small
0: town walk. I yeah. like their movies. But Seth, uh, I've interviewed them, but it's been a while.
2: I looked at their trailer and it said that the Mothman started in Point Pleasant and moved out. And I, all I did was say on Facebook, I probably shouldn't have done it on Facebook. I said, you might want to fix that. Cause if it's in your trailer, cause that's not true. It was the opposite. It came from, you know, where I lived down to Point Pleasant. And, uh, this set off a, just a negative, I mean, I don't know why that would cause so much trouble, but it did. And he reacted negatively. And then his fans started jumping in, like you're talking about, they just pile on. And then his wife jumped on it. I'm thinking, oh, no, not the wife. (laughs) When the wife jumps in on the conversation, you can't do anything. It's not fair to the guy because if you say anything, you look like you're a a woman hater, right? Uh, So. That's true. Do you, do you, do you, do you just ignore her, or do you do you post something, or do you private message her? I private message, thinking that would be the best. That didn't work either. Uh, and I saw something about she was uh, supports Zionism. That, you know, I did. I looked at her page. There's something about supporting Zionism, and I go. Uh, she was snotty or something in the response, and I go, Well, how can you support what they're doing in, in Palestine or to the kids there or something like that. But that was an honest question. Why? I'd like, and I'd like to know why MAGA people think that, that that Mexican kids should suffer at the border. That was one of Steve Ward's comments on Facebook.
0: Mexican kids should be tortured at the border, like punished. Uh-oh, did you freeze?
1: Uh-oh, he's frozen. Somebody's frozen him. There he is. I'm frozen. There you go. You got you froze. Yeah, you, <laughs> what, froze. What, what did you were saying about the Mexican kids suffering, you froze.
2: <laughs> oh man, they're in on it. They're they're like blocking me. <laughs> you froze, you froze. Steve, Steve supported the Mexican kids being kept in the cages. Oh. That pissed me off. That pissed me off. And I said something and he blocked me and that's it. And and then he blocked the Fricks because the Fricks said if you support the insurrection, just just defriend, and he did it. he supports the insurrection uh, good luck with that steve good luck. That. one there's,
0: thing i want to say real quick when you're talking about the wife situation there's a guest on the show and i don't think i've even i may have said something about this i don't it's been a while but jeff o'brien he writes these like nasty fiction kind of gross i don't know what the hell horror books but he came on my show and he has a Mufon roommate, which is kind of weird now that I think about it. And I've thought about that before if I had something to do with it, because we you know we have a lot of trouble with them. But anyway, he came on the show and was the happiest son of a bitch. This side of you know whatever. Just loved it, had a great time. The show was good. He seemed happy. Caught him online talking crap about me. Like UFO weird comments. it was just shocking because i thought the guy was my friend he was on the show but his girlfriend got involved and i called her to him worm tongue like from lord of the rings poison in his mind next thing you know jeff o'brien is on facebook saying i'm sexually harassing her and i never said one inappropriate thing the worm tongue was the only thing i said about her at all. Next thing you know, I'm sexually harassing this girl. Mm-hmm. All these people start blocking me. Never said a damn thing to that girl that was inappropriate except the Lord of the Rings comment. But anyway, it was just weird. So, I mean, I know how shit works.
2: Well, let me finish the Seth story. Let me. Yeah, finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. So, meanwhile, on the list, the the, the piling on gets worse and worse until there's a guy from Texas saying he's going to drag me behind his pickup truck. Right? They're threatening to kill me. And Seth doesn't say a word. Yeah. Uh, Lyle doesn't say a word. Nick Redford doesn't say a word. No one says a word about that. That's okay. As long as you're being tribal. Is that real? Is, I mean, anyway. And... To my comment on the private message, Seth says, "I'm calling the cops because of what you said about Israel."
1: Mm. Okay,
2: so now the story is—I'm sure the story now is—I'm an—I'm an anti-Semite. It's got to be. Have you heard that one?
1: I have not heard that one. Okay. That one I have not heard.
2: But but I, I get I get a death threat and then I end up being an anti-Semite. I got a two-for-one package by trying to correct a minor fact in one of their Small Town Monsters shows. By the way, their first one, The Whitehall Beast, was filmed literally four miles from my family farm in in New York. Mm -hmm. My cousins hang out in Whitehall all the time. They have friends there. They're all cops, including my cousins. And the cops are the ones that are interviewed in the show. That's all bogus. My cousin is, says it's all bogus. They may, there might be ones. Somebody may have had a sighting of something they thought was something. And then the rest of the guys just took it and ran with it. And I could have told I could, I could have. It's just sad. They're missing out. These filmmakers who align themselves with the International Museum, they just come through and they treat it the same way every time. It's boring. Uh, I do think he did a good job. I think he did a good job on the second Mothman movie. Uh, although, or, or both, of them. No, the first one, I guess. The second one has specs, has uh, witnesses in it that I know are lying. The witnesses in that show that I know, the people in my family know and they know they're making it up. And it ends up with this kind of stuff where they're just making entertainment for Netflix with drone shots and eerie music and a bunch of stuff that half of it isn't true. And it just just doesn't serve, it's just, it's not anywhere close to pseudoscience even.
1: Well, my understanding based on even what Seth said when he was on the air was that he doesn't believe that any of this is true anyway? I right. mean, he he basically he basically said that. I mean, I I can't remember, but it was kind of like Why? we were talking to him about it, and and I, I and Jeffrey actually quizzed him and said, "Well, what do you think this is?" And and I mean, he made some kind of comment about culture and folklore and stuff, but it was it was really clear that he doesn't think any there's anything to it really. Yeah. You yeah, know, I don't so, think
2: Steve Ward believes in it. In it, um, I don't think Lauren believes in any of it. Uh, so many in that New York group on the board of the U- 67 convention, they're all yeah. hoaxers and practical jokers. Jim Mosley, Tim Beckley, Greenfield is a bit of a hoaxer. Lauren was in that group.
1: I, I remember you posted that thing of Greenfield up on the... Uh,
2: I mean, I like him. Uh, I like. I don't have a you know, problem with him. I think... Uh, I just... I, I, I don't know. The, the secret cipher stuff seems a little irresponsible in the sense that you've got... Today, you've got so many young mysticists who are focusing on that code stuff, and it's I don't think there's anything to it. I can't make sense of
1: it. Well, you know, when I read that book... I understood actually what he was saying, but I actually know two or three of the, the inner sources, not inner by inner like personal gnosis, but the esoteric sources that he's getting some of that from, and he's misrepresenting it. I mean, I I was reading this and going, I know where this is from and it's misrepresented. I don't know where he got it exactly, but he's not, but, but the sources that I've gotten it from are, I mean, and what we are talking about mysticism and occultism here. But we're also talking about things that are transmitted orally, you know, as part of oral tradition. They're not written down and and really shouldn't be for a variety of reasons because of how suggestive they are. And you're not supposed to be given this stuff without a context without a practice context. Right. And when I read that, when I remember when I was reading in that cipher, you know, his that irresponsible for him to just be putting this in here. Because it's highly suggestive.
2: Kiel, Kiel uh, described him as a great distractionist.
1: Are we stuck again? Or am I stuck again? I can hear you. Maybe I'm stuck. Uh, what's going
2: on? We I can hear, hear, you. You. hear
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> you. You both froze as soon as I I started talking about how irresponsible it is. Right, right. <laughs>
0: so Lauren Coleman, sunlight.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's too okay. weird. You know, it's like it's like every time Eugenia started actually talking about stuff, things would happen. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I
2: mean,
1: seriously, it's I, it's so weird.
2: I, I collected some of my. I tried to collect all of my correspondence with her and I hope to get that into a book someday.
1: Oh, that would be great. Cause she's like, she's like my fave, which by the way, I don't know if you know who Ben Roylance is. Do you know who Ben Roylance is? Oh yeah.
2: I sent him some books for his shop.
1: Okay, good. Because he, because he, I don't know if you know this, but he was able to get that huge cache of paintings from that guy in Maine who had like gone in and like purchased almost all of her paintings oh, from, right. and he managed to he he went and got them. He has them. He has all of them.
2: Wow.
1: And and so he Did is. You not, huh? Did he have to pay for him? No, he didn't. The guy just gave them to him. Who's the guy? It, it went, well, here's here's what happened when you. son? Yeah. Well, here's what happened. When Eugenia died, um, his son, her son, Ezra, went to Christina Varga, who is an artist that I know here in the Hudson Valley. She lives in Phoenicia, and she and Eugenia were really good friends. Eugenia would go and talk to her, and, you know, as artists, they just kind of go and shoot the shit, you know what I mean? And And so Ezra contacted her and said, you know i've got all of these paintings for my mother would you take them or i'm taking them to the landfill that is literally what he said and she was like oh my god you so, so bring them all so he he brought in like i don't know tons and tons of things and so um she created for the for uh, before the memorial service which i attended she uh, uh christina put did like an exhibition of eugenia with a lot of these pictures up and um some some of them got sold then to various people but there was this doctor who came from in fact i've got his name somewhere in my stuff this doctor who who came from uh uh who was living in maine at the time and i had a conversation with him about six weeks ago and he because he's a doctor and he's kind of independently wealthy He has made it sort of his business to save archives, collections of people's stuff. And most of what he's done um, has been printed stuff. But in the case of Eugenia, he bought bought just a bunch of her paintings um, from Christina, who didn't charge him very much for them at all because, you know, she just had them. Now, she's kept some. Um, and she does, she's kept like a, um, a number of um, unfinished canvases that she, uh, every now and then, she'll feel Eugenia around and she'll do what she calls a post-mortem collaboration <laughs> with, with, with Eugenia. I actually have one in my, in my bedroom just over here. Um, at where she just adds to it she doesn't like cover over anything that Eugenia has done on the canvas but she adds to it to complete it but anyway um, this guy I guess this uh, doctor was uh, he was downsizing and you know paintings take up a lot more room than, than, than books and papers and have to be housed in a particular way they have to be stored in a particular way so um, he started making some contacts. Me- I contacted me. He contacted Stephanie Quick. He ta- contacted um, Ben. And um, Stephanie, of course, is too far away to do anything. And Ben and I talked a little bit about it. And Ben just decided that he would just go up and get them, and he got him. Nice. So they've all been saved. He- he's trying to figure out what to do with them exactly. Um, I know that he's planning on making – Um, Like good photos and some copies of some of them, you know, um, because, you know, Ezra was going to throw them in the landfill. So we seriously doubt there's going to be any copyright issues over it. I mean, we'll have to see, obviously. And Ben Ben is pretty open. It's like if Ezra shows up someday and he's like, hey, these are my mom's things. Ben is like, "Okay," I mean, you know, he's not going to argue with him about that.
2: I would love to have some. You know, I was I was I was a little hurt that I wasn't on Stephen Miles Lewis's show about Eugenia because he knows how close I was with her, but of course he's one of Lauren's staunchest defenders I know, I know. on know. list. I know. You know. I
1: know. I thought of you. I thought of you.
2: <laughs> and then <it's laughs> Stephanie blocked me because uh she had me down or she had uh Lewis down as Coming up with synchro conspiracy, she was, was just misremembering, right? But I contacted her and I said, "Why? Well, what about me?" You know, and somehow that ended badly. I don't know. I think, again, I, I think what happened was back in the day when I was getting divorced, I wrote some pretty poignant or pointed uh, things about my ex, and I think some people have been, you know, some women read that and they probably think that I'm a jerk. <laughs> but I was married to a a malignant narcissist, who, by the way, recently apologized. She actually tried her best for all the horrible things she had done. And man, it was horrible. Uh, Those years, like uh, 2006, 2011, very tough. Great. But um, I think there's an overarching, you know, I think somebody may have called Eugenia and said, you know, Andy's the devil. I I think I know a person who might do that. It's the same person who would go on the John Keel list and say, Andy, you're damaged goods. Without any comment, without any, you know. And then the same person, Jimmer Hardy, who said these things to me, goes and writes two books that are basically complete. One of them seems to be a theft of my story. And he's even got John Keel in it right? And everybody should know that Jimmer Hardy is Lauren Coleman, I think. I, I think it's pretty obvious. The, the writing style, uh, the way he speak, spoke to me before they kicked me off the list. The John Keel list was, is hosted by a MAGA guy, uh, <clears throat> Jerry Hamm from Ohio here, big MAGA supporter. He didn't like my politics. and I did an experiment. I actually told my wife, I said, I want to try to market the 12 books I have by John Keel, the compilations. I just want to try to post one a week, but just, to, just put it up there, the link to this book, nothing else, you know, which people do all the time. It's like, everybody's posting their their latest podcast.
1: Right, know.
2: right. Well, it, it only took, took two before the MAGA guys started attacking me. Well, you're not being a good steward of John Keel's work. Well, you, the books were, were not chronological. All of them were chronological except one, right? They're just making shit up to try to make me look bad. And then nobody said anything. Somehow that I ended up looking like the bad guy in that one, too. You know, just for saying, no, you're wrong. Why, you you know, and I know who these guys are. So I'm not going to be nice to them because I've just had it with the MAGA stuff. Just, I'm sorry. You know, too many years of death threats and all this shit. Um, it's just grow up, you know, um, but anyway, I think I got 10 of them in before I got booted, but it's always been like that. I cannot right now, if I try to go on any of the big lists, like Appalachian cryptids and folklore, they won't post my posts. Anything I've done, doesn't matter where, what list it is, it seems like they're all They've all communicated and and bingo, boom, forget it. Andy, nope. So I'm almost at the point where I have to write under a pseudonym to get information out. Hmm. No. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> Were you on Coast to Coast before? Weren't you or no?
2: Yeah, I've been on there twice. Uh, but the first time I paid the price, like after the show, nobody could find out who where I was because my, my thing was gone from Wikipedia.
1: It had been taken down. It had
2: links to my books on Amazon. Yeah, th- Lauren took them down. It very clearly was Lauren. Uh,
0: what is his power over Wikipedia again? He's an owner? Or...
1: No, He's not. he doesn't have any power over Wikipedia specifically.
2: Well, in the early days, it was pretty cowboy, a uh, wild west, just like Facebook. and But Lauren was right in there at the beginning, and, and he got 5,000 friends instantly, and he got... A half a million clicks on his twilight language blog within the first month, half a million, no way. Where's the numbers coming from? Uh, uh, Wikipedia entries, uh, just a full scale. Like he <laughs> you take over of the, of the information, like almost, you know, like if you go to research Wikipedia and if, he's going to be there putting his hand on it, uh, the films, filmmakers are usually his people um, i think he promises people a show I, I, in fact i know this because i've had some defectors come to me and say that he had hired them to be sock puppets for him on the lists you know like on the mothman lives list <laughs> or multi-talk and basically offers stuff you know like if you get a book out you know i'll promote it or get you on a show or something and so People are very susceptible to this kind of thing. They, everybody in the field seems to want to be famous, and that's it. And, and I just—it's not—that pseudoscience has lost its way, right? Right. It just.
1: Well, and, and you know what's interesting is that I, you know, when I'm when I'm interviewed wherever I'm interviewed, um, if it comes up, you know, like if I'm asked like what is my history in this field I mean I can tell people but I always try depending on how they ask and you know what this what what kind of story they want I always I always mention that I had left the field until I read your Mothman photographer books and that basically your story resonated so much with certain things that had happened to me in terms of you know when you were over here and this was happening in this in this part of the country this crap over here was happening to me I mean it was like the time frames were very similar even though you know I didn't know who who the hell you were obviously and and I always make sure that i try to mention you because it's like to me and I say this credit where credit is due you know um it because you know and, and I can tell sometimes there have been times when I've said that on certain shows and I can tell that the interviewer is a little uncomfortable with that and it's like it's just too bad you know it's i can tell oh you've you've heard rumors okay you don't really know what's going on but i i try to i always try to give you credit for that because it's true it's just true
2: we don't know exactly what it is they're offended by That's i don't the,
1: i don't because it's got to be a rumor
2: it's a cons- well, well the rumors are all just to destroy the, my reputation but what is Good. it in the material that they objected to you you never quite know is it is it the uh the idea that you can use conspiracy as a spiritual path because that's kind of what i was saying all uh-huh. synchronicities and figure out investigative journalism conspiracies uh, other stuff that's pretty uh that's like what ingo swan was doing right right exactly and, and 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 i could and it seemed to be a thing that worked i don't know if it w- would work now it might be something that happens uh, can only happen at certain times in your life when the energy's right Uh, That was one of the reasons to do the book, is to try to figure that out. What's the cycle here? Is there a cycle? And what's the relationship between contactees? And Keel was looking into that, and I think he actually was keeping tabs on me and the people on Woodward Drive. Our names couldn't be mentioned in any story, so that's why nobody knows who we are. But Keel knew through Gray Barker, who knew my cousin really well, and I was known as the the kid that had seen Mothman from when I was young. So, And that's why I'm the guy, I'm the kid in the Silver Bridge who wants Mothman to come back. Uh, that's Barker that's, uh, got that from my cousin who told him that I was like that, that I thought Mothman was my superhero, personal superhero or something, you know, or yeah. God or something. Because around the time I saw it, I had these Satori's which might've happened anyway, but you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. don't know what causes what. Uh, yeah. So, well, thanks for saying that. I've had people say that. I have people come up at the festival when I'm there, ever there, whenever I'm there, which is, I missed a few years there, but they'll say that. They'll say it was super helpful at a certain time when they needed it. And then they'll say things about the publishing. They'll say, hey, this guy at this festival is so appreciative that I had spent the money. It's cost a ton of money to buy these old Barker books. Thousands. And then to get them to where other people could buy them for $1,799 instead of $1,799. That's the kind of scale we're talking. The books were that expensive. And Rather than complain about antiquarians and how they gouge people, they, they criticize me just because why? It's just so stupid. It's like they argue against their own uh, interests sometimes.
1: Well, it's because they didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> it's because they I, didn't do it.
2: Possibly part of that. Um but I would like to know all the stories out there. I'd like to catalog. So, write into Jeff or comment here if you can. Can you comment on this anywhere for people? When people comment? Send in your Andy Colvin rumors. I want to collect. <laughs> i
1: like you that, that serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I understand. I'll see Please. if I, I'll see if I, I'll 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 go back and I'll see what I can find because I know that I've got a few that I've heard.
2: No so. one has seen me before. Like, they literally, unless they watch that one John Keel special or they live in Italy and saw the thing I did in Italy, they, they've never seen me before. They don't, have no idea what kind of person I am. I, it's just bizarre. It's, it's bizarre. How can you make John Keel into dangerous? Like the gentlest, funniest man I've ever met. Help me out here. Help me understand what we It's
0: like uh, I had the, uh, you know, the whole, I don't want to get into it too deeply, but me and Jeremy Bainey were doing those uh, little uh, audio only interviews and we were getting along and friends and they would come to Church of Mavis at the beginning of it and we'd sit in the chat room and type out questions to guests, Stanton Friedman and Nick Pope and all kinds of people that he would bring on. And then he got mad because I had Romanek on and started being a dick. And talked about, this is a little puppet show. You think this is your little puppet show? Like, he's being just an arrogant dick. But, yeah, Stan Romanek's a creep. But back then, I didn't know. He was on David Letterman. But, anyway, no, uh, him there's and... There's nothing wrong Nothing yeah. wrong with having him on. Yeah, he's
2: a pedo, though. But I
0: know. <laughs> now he is. Now, now.
2: He copied my photograph. He copied my Mothman photograph.
0: Did you, did you know the weird, crazy story where he got caught throwing something and then they he yeah. said it was aliens? Oh, yeah. And, and he didn't know the cam was on him and it caught him throwing it with his hand? Yeah. He did the same thing on my show, but I didn't have a cam on him at that time. But he was, like, making noises and did the oh. same thing. But anyway, oh, Jeremy put out an embargo on me. When him and Jeff Ritzman tried to buy Church of Mavis and have us merge with Paratopia, and my my gay web designer said Paratopia sounded like a gay bar. They <laughs> to change the name. But he Jeff was like, do you need money? Jeff Ritzman asked me, do you need money? I was like, yeah, whatever. That'd be nice. But we didn't end up doing it. But anyway, we had a falling out with Vanny and him. And Vanny just went to everyone and basically, you know, bespurged, bespurged me like they do with you. Same thing. That's well, what they do.
2: Well, they but they did it to me, too.
0: Ritzman did it
2: to me personally. I mean, That's what
0: they do. hes dead now.
2: He claimed that uh, he claimed he claimed Mothman was not true at all, and yet, who was writing about shadow people before Jeff Ritzman?
0: Didn't he have some weird uh, thing that came to him? He claimed some creature that came to him. They called something something like that. I don't remember. Him and Jeremy made a a song about a hillbilly vampire making fun of me—a whole skit. And
1: <laughs> play it on really? I get
0: called redneck vampire and hillbilly vampire, like some people. Uh,
2: you, you, that's cool.
1: <laughs> this is this is <laughs> from middle school. I'm Ooh, sorry, geez. this is so uh, weird. But I like suck
0: blood.
2: <laughs> you got the you got the right features for film, Jeffrey. You could be a vampire on TV. Well, okay. well he
1: refers to himself as the chubby Nosferatu.
0: <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> Very
0: potent. The uh, from the Smurfs, that's me. <laughs> but uh, did you watch Wednesday yet? Andy, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, I I, I, yeah, but
2: yeah, we've been binging it because my wife is so much like Wednesday.
0: Yeah, cool. I'm gonna watch it eventually. My next project is Willow. Willow up good. Christian Slater's in it somehow, but uh, Matt Mar- Willow. Yeah, the Disney just put out a new Willow series. You know, the little dwarf, Ron Howard movie, the fantasy. It's a whole series, like a TV series. I'm gonna check it out. But Val Kilmer's not in it yet, but they he may show up somehow. You know, he's Mad Mortigan.
2: Who's that weird guy from uh, Back to the Future? Uh, Christopher Lloyd. No, the no, the the, the nerdy guy. Uh, uh, it's got three names.
0: Michael J. Fox. No. Back to the future. A uh, Biff. <laughs> I don't know. Biff.
2: Oh, he's real quirky. This guy's really quirky. Chris- What's his
0: name? Christopher Boyd. I know that he's a scientist.
2: Uh, no, I sold him some, some movie equipment. Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover.
0: He's a trip. He was in he the Del Toro. Uh, you know, did you watch Cabinet of Curiosities? That's pretty good, uh, By by del Toro, The Hellboy Shake of Water Guy. But there's a series, it's kinda like Tales from the Crypt, but Crispin Glover is in a Lovecraft episode. It's on Netflix, it's worth checking out. It's like little stories in each episode, but there's a weird occult Nazi uh, storage building one where a guy buys the contents of a, a storage building. It's actually that dude from Oh, we're Oh brother we're out that we're we're out now, one of the brothers. God, what's his name? I always have to look up that guy's name.
2: Uh I got to know Dennis Hopper before he became famous again. Before Blue Velvet came out. Tim Blake Nelson, yeah. We were working on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And I kind of got, I had a lot of responsibility on that, even though I didn't get credit. And But Hopper and I just were, were, he's so funny, and I liked him so much. And we actually wrote some of the parts in the movie, like on the spot, and I would like say something, and he would, um, he's just so fun. He was like a guy from West Virginia, just like so, you know, down to earth. And we had this interest, shared interest in photography, street photography, and Hopper's got some great, a great body of work that he did. And he turned me on to Crispin Glover. Cause Crispin Glover's also into that stuff. Yeah. I sold him a bunch of stuff that I had from uh, the photo t- photography days, but Glover was a hoot, man. What a weirdo. Love the guy. I still don't know what his deal is. Willard is
0: it- with the rats, I remember that one. The what? The when he's controlling the rats, Willard, he's <laughs> in that movie with the rats, a remake, It's like a- remake. Oh, right, right. But uh, we got like four minutes, so anything you want to last four minutes, not much, but.
2: Uh, can I drop any more names?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love dropping drop names every name. now and then, just to keep people honest, you know, it's like. <clears throat> it's like you meet these amazing people. That, that's one of my, what I wanted to say in the book, uh, the Silver Bridge book, that bridging the tragedy, was the positive aspect of <clears throat> And If it's the Garuda, which I think it is, then it's a positive, it's all positive. The Garuda will stabilize your practice. If you have a meditation practice, if you don't have one, you should do one to some degree. But I actually don't think that my story, some of the aspects of it probably are not for the public. And so I've given up trying to convince people to be interested in it because the only people that need to hear it are going to look for it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. some of the stuff's too powerful. And I actually have heard a lot of people say that they think that the cryptozoologists being a CIA creation are trying to harness the power of Mothman in secret while claiming in public that it doesn't exist or just messing up the story so much. Uh, so, of course, I don't know if they can do that because it's a Buddhist deity protects the Buddha, and I don't know how you you know like stories. I have stories in my tale. Like Harriet goes to a a, a medium in Columbus. He's a hundred years old. Doesn't know me from Adam. And says to Harriet, Andy Colvin's dad is here, and he says Andy has a protector. So. That's just so far out now. uh, But it's a good thing it happened because I can always kind of think back, fall back on that. If I'm really messed up, like uh, losing my bearings. Mm -hmm. I can remember that my dad said that and my grandpa comes back and says stuff to people all the time. He supposedly pulled my sister out of a wreck, out of a car wreckage. Um, He spoke to the Kusilas's when they were on my, uh, on Bird Mountain during their uh, session with the ghost box, Grandpa Ed comes through. He comes through to all kinds of people. Uh, so, and I, I think you mentioned that you you know you know people that have that.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, Eugenia. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, turning the negative into the positive, post-traumatic growth is a real thing. Um, it's only for people that can handle it I don't think everybody's ready to hear that what this creature is really all about or might really be all about uh, it's I think it'd be great if they looked into it but again I don't think everybody should know necessarily know about it because they would just mess it up like they mess up everything else there was a I think Graham Hancock was on to a worldwide civilization that worship the the mothman or the garuda that's what i think there's a lot of evidence, evidence for this do we want to bring that back i don't know who knows it might not it might just get twisted around Good by fact. dark forces you know
0: all right well it's been great just let us know anytime you want to come back on we always enjoy <laughs> it it's great having you on it's been yeah, a have great any, journey for well, sure well,
1: we'll make sure your face shows
2: Okay. Is it not showing?
1: No. What I'm saying is so people know that you exist and what oh, you right, do. Right. <laughs> and there's my
2: Mothman uh, death mask from the play back there. It looks like... Right
1: movie. there. Right back there.
2: Out right. You're dead. Leather. Made for me at the festival. 300 bucks I had to pay for that bad boy, I think. Wow. I don't know. It's a lot.
0: All right. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. You're listening to United Public Radio 10. 10- 7 fm new orleans remember willow up good bath morda gotta do it
2: hey we didn't All go right. two hours yet
0: yeah we gotta stop five chill for some reason it says 147 why. it's the jojo rule oh 147
2: <laughs> check that out man you you're early
0: yeah what time
1: zone are you there he's <laughs>
0: Easter.
1: Eastern. did we Easter.
2: have a time
0: slip yeah, a time slip for sure. No, we just
1: started late. It's supposed to be like, what, an hour and 50 minutes, something yeah, like something that? Yeah, something like
0: that. I'm supposed to stop so. five till because of the next show with JoJo. But yeah, just let us know. We'll get you on anytime, man. It's always a pleasure. So, everybody, thanks for listening and have a good night. Good night, everybody. See you later, Andy.